I V M. Hi, I'm Utsav, a behavior researcher by training and a slow traveler by passion. Postcards from Nowhere is a travel podcast where I condense a decade of travel experiences and explore not just the where but also the why and how to travel. My stories emerge from slow traveling the less explored parts of the world: Bosnia and Herzegovina, Armenia, Uzbekistan, and even China. At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, we travel across time to unravel the lesser-known salt satyagraha in Orissa and the fight to save the soul of Odia cuisine. In March 2020, as the world was just coming to grips with the COVID-19 pandemic, one young man was having his moment of glory. In the finals of MasterChef India season six, Abhinash Nayak. A young techie won the judges' hearts in the finale and was crowned master chef. The dessert he created was shuddhata or purity. It consisted of chhena poda, a cheesecake baked traditionally on sal leaves, placed on wood fire and baked to a slightly burnt crust consistency. It was topped with tempered white chocolate, garnished with popped amaranth seeds, and paired with adna rasabali, a rice-based pudding. But it was not just his moment of glory. It was also the first time the cuisine from his home state took center stage, a cuisine which had long lived under the shadow of its more formidable neighbor, West Bengal. Odia cuisine had entered the national food consciousness. But just a couple of centuries ago, the state was fighting a battle which got relegated to the annals of history. It was a battle for which another state, diametrically opposite to Odisha, came to be known for. Dandi, Gujarat, and the salt satyagraha. Are etched in our national memory, but even before Gandhi, the Odias were having a salt satyagraha of their own, one which was also fighting to save the soul of Odia cuisine. Before the British came to rule India, Odisha was ruled by the Marathas. One of the key sources of revenue for the Maratha rulers was the tax on the trade of salt. The methods of salt manufacturing then prevalent in Odisha can be classified under two main processes: panga and karkat. In the panga process, salt was obtained by boiling concentrated sea brine. The karkat process involved the solar evaporation of sea water. The panga salt had an eager market in the neighboring provinces to the west, shipped on the river Mahanadi and its tributaries. Merchants came to Orissa to buy salt or barter with products such as cotton, opium, marijuana, and grains, carried by ox cart from Central India. As the British took over, they needed large quantities of salt. For the manufacture of ammunition for their 18th century wars with the French, and a significant part of the salt for their gunpowder came from Orissa. In 1790, when the British requested permission to buy all salt made in Orissa, Raghuji Bhosla, the Maratha governor, turned down the offer. He realized that the British were trying to eliminate salt from Orissa in order to maintain British salt at an artificially high price. The British, of course, were not pleased and banned Orissa salt in Bengal. But the Orissa and West Bengal border had thick, unpatrollable jungles, and a contraband salt trade began. The British army then outright occupied Orissa and made Orissa salt a British monopoly. The private sale of salt was banned. The earliest resistance to this came from the coastal chieftains, the zamindars, who lost their privileges owing to the destruction of the salt industry. The salt workers were called malangis, and the British gave them advance money for future salt production. 
The workers thus got deeper and deeper into debt, making them slaves to the British salt industry. The zamindars pushed the Malangis to be uncooperative, and many started making their own salt illegally. 1817 saw a rebellion, but it was crushed by the British. In 1836, the duties on domestic production were made equivalent to the duties on imported salt, thus making Orissa salt uncompetitive. In 1845, the government ordered the annual production of salt to be reduced by an amount equal to half of the previous year's total production. By 1863, the intention was clear: stop salt production, and this led to a famine in Orissa in 1866. The people from Odisha were forbidden from any activity linked to making salt. The first public meeting in India to protest salt policy took place in Orissa in February 1888 in Katak by the Utkal Sabha, a political party. They noted that Indians had a tax burden 30 times greater than did the people in England, and the salt tax was unjustly high. By 1923, to balance the budget, the government proposed to double the salt tax. and despite the indian legislative assembly refusing to support it the tax was approved in 1929 pandit nilkanth das a legislative assembly member from orissa demanded a revival of salt making in the state and by 1930 orissa was in near open rebellion the same year when gandhi undertook his famous salt march to the coast of dandi gujarat but what connects the orissa salt tax protests to the cuisine of the state the connection is the importance of salt in odia cuisine The coastal state's food has two major components: rice and fish, and in both of these, salt plays a major role. One of the most popular staples, especially in summer, is pakhla. Cooked rice is fermented overnight, and the next day's lunch calls for a bowl of this slightly tangy rice with a dash of curd topped with sliced cucumber and raw onions. The only spice added to it is common salt. As you can imagine, this simple dish was also the food of the poor and highly taxed salt would take away the comfort food of the odias and while pakla is dear to the odias so is fish especially dried fish a practice which accounts for the vagaries of nature the absence of fresh ingredients and a population which has seen an overwhelming share of frugality thanks to access to the coast as well as fresh water fishes are abundant salting of fish is an integral part of odia cuisine A walk to any fish market in any city of Odisha would reveal the love for sukhua, sun-dried salted fish, which has a pungent odor. The running joke amongst Odias is that if you cook sukhua, your neighbor and their neighbor and everyone in your locality would know. The dried fish lends a wonderful umami taste. So does any seafood such as prawns and shrimps, which have been salted, fermented, or smoked. Also very popular. are the pink salted ilishi and the dry salted khanga cut and fermented in saturated brine and then dried in the shade on the vegetarian front salt makes its presence felt yet again a celebrated dish is ambula rai in the 18th century odia scripture ambika bilasa which depicts the divine marriage between lord shiva and goddess parvati there is a mention of ambula rai in the ceremonial banquet feast even in abhimanyu's bidagdha chintamani Ambula rai prepared by Radha is the favorite food of Sri Krishna. Ambula is sun-dried mango and is predominantly used as a souring agent. Raw mango halves are combined with salt and red chili flakes and the mixture is left to mature under the sun for a week. Odia cuisine is minimalistic 
a far cry from the complexities of say mughlai cooking but it emerged from a people who had traditionally been underprivileged but the minimalism does not mean a lack of taste of flavors a broader look at cuisines from eastern india barring west bengal would reveal how the complexity of flavors can be achieved with a handful of ingredients and at the helm sits the humblest of them all salt a meal of pakla and sukhua is said to be the soul of odia cuisine as i begin to unravel the layers of odia cuisine i always lament the fact that how little of india's culinary heritage we experience in our lifetimes on days like these i am grateful to have been born in a country like ours where it would take a lifetime to even lift the lid of our culinary heritage the food satyagraha we need to undertake is to familiarize our palate with gems such as odia cuisine if you like this podcast don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the ibm network you can listen to us on the ibm podcast app or ibmpodcast.com you can also follow us on our social media we are at ibm podcasts on twitter and instagram if you want to reach out to me i am utsav memory on twitter and yvtravel42 on instagram